0: One of the things that I get to do in my role as pastor here, and if I've never met you, my name's Matt, and my wife Jacinda and I are the lead pastors here at Coast Vineyard, uh, but one of the things that we get to do often is hear the stories of what God's doing in people's lives, and we'll often say to people, would you be willing to like, to share that up the front? And most people go, no way, <laughs> not that keen to, uh, to get up in front of people on a microphone, but... Uh, well, we're going to hear from Eva this morning, who had a great uh, encounter with God recently, and uh, we've got people that have got some had some great training with praying for people and just seeing God do really cool things in their lives. It's uh, called Elijah House, and they and uh, we've got a number of people here that have gone through some of that training. A lot of people here just love praying for people and seeing God do cool stuff. So. Um, and Eva, you know, got some, some prayer and she's going to come up and, and share. So why don't you come on I'll give her a big welcome and uh, as she shares.
1: So um, we have a God who is incredibly good and powerful. He can make beauty from ashes and bring, um, he can breathe life into dry bones the process of being prayed for in itself was really accessible and not actually scary at all. Um, it was completely safe space and just um, the Holy Spirit was invited to take the lead, taking the time to explore areas of my story and um, baggage and kind of wounds I'd picked up on the way. Most importantly, having the opportunity to just to surrender it all back to God and letting him speak truth over my life. So I was just incredibly encouraged at how God could use my, the stuff from my past to completely transform my future and my present. At that time, about six weeks ago, I was very much in an extended season of just feeling stuck, generally feeling lost and hopeless, disappointed at the, that after nine months of living in New Zealand, I was still not seeing progress in areas of my life. I just had no idea what to do, and I knew something had to change. I would began to doubt all my decisions and was kind of questioning, why did I end up here? Um, I was desperately praying for breakthrough in life. But yet we have a God who answers our prayers in ways that we cannot hope or imagine. And the song we sang last week um, just sums it up perfectly. His love has freed us. He's spoken to our pain and is revealing hope again. So being prayed for was essentially a process i describe as God rebuilding my foundations. It given me a breakthrough, the freedom and joy to choose life again, and to be myself, the person he has created me to be. It just resulted in a complete turnaround in most of my circumstances, seeing things take 180 degree turns. It has transformed both my relationships and my work, and I've refound really the excitement for what's ahead. So I no longer feel like I'm carrying around this burden that I can't explain or understand. Life is, isn't magically fixed, um, but I have a hope and a very real God who I can trust to sustain me in the good and the bad. So in summary, he's given me a beautiful exchange, freeing me from the lies that were holding me, holding me back to the truth of identity as his daughter. He has called us to live life to the full and not to be content with survival, we have an incredibly good father who loves us too much to let us stay as we are so God very wants very much wants to meet you wherever you're at today
0: isn't God good' He'll be kind He'll just so good thanks Eva thanks for being brave enough to come and share a little of your story a little bit of your journey so... And we're going to spend some time over these next, uh, this next series that we're doing here, as Emily said, called Simply Jesus. And we're going to be looking at Jesus and getting to know Him a little bit better. And we'll start with this morning. But have you noticed that people often tend to think of Jesus in a way that sort of lines up with their own preferences and tastes, especially people that aren't people of faith. They sort of have a picture of Jesus and, and they just sort of make it like how they want him to be. They, there's some people that they like Jesus being white. You notice that? They like Jesus being white. There's some people, they like Jesus being cool. Okay. And it's not, it's just people just sort of work out, this is what this is. What I want Jesus to be. And we're just going to show a little video clip of a family that, uh, and they've all got Everyone in the family, they've all got different ideas about what Jesus should be like. So let's have a look at this. No good? Hmm. Well, you're not going to get that one. You can take me out the back and beat me up after. Tom Wright, or uh, as often uh, writes and often is known as N.T. Wright, but he's one of the world's foremost New Testament scholars. And he says this, every month or two, some publisher comes up with a blockbuster saying that Jesus was a, like a New Age guru, an Egyptian Freemason, or a hippie revolutionary. Every year or two, some scholar or group of scholars comes up with a new book full of imposing footnotes to tell us that Jesus was a peasant cynic, a wandering wordsmith, or the preacher of liberal values. The day I was redrafting this for publication, a newspaper article appeared about a new controversy initiated by animal rights activists as to whether Jesus was a vegetarian. A while back, there was a advertising executive called Bruce Barton, and he wrote a best-selling book called The Man Nobody Knows about Jesus. But his spin was that Jesus was one of the best marketing geniuses the world has ever seen like what founder of modern business he said It's uh, that he showed this extraordinary understanding of the principles of modern advertising, that's the whole thing of his book it's like okay there's a lot of stories that say that Jesus was a closet Buddhist that uh, there's a BBC documentary that came out last year that talked about how uh, in the time that we don't know anything of what happened with Jesus between when he was 12 and when he was 30, and they said that, this documentary said that he went off to, to India and uh, spent some time over there. There's some people from from England that will claim that Jesus went and hung out with them during those missing years. They even wrote a song about it, Jerusalem, Says this. Did those fiend in ancient times walk upon England's mountain green? No. <laughs> no, he didn't. That never happened. Thomas Jefferson, who was uh, third president of the United States, and he, he wrote a book about Jesus. And what he did, he bought a Bible, and he got his razor blade out, and he cut out all the verses out of the, the stories of Jesus, the Gospels, that had anything to do with miracles. He cut them all out. And there actually wasn't that many left, but he it's probably about one in ten verses were left, and he used those and put those together, and he said that Jesus was was a great philosopher. The book was The Life and Morals of Jesus in Nazareth, and the whole point was that this is what Jesus was all about. He's a great philosopher. He's just remaking Jesus. A lot of people have decided they know exactly what Jesus looks like. Who's ever seen this first picture before? It's on your grandparents' mantelpiece, isn't it? It's called the Salmon's Head of Christ, very famous. There's people that have uh, come up with different views of people depending on their culture. There's like like an African Jesus in different pictures. We'll show one here there's uh, a Korean Jesus. I'll tell you this, that he certainly would not have had blonde hair and blue eyes. One scholar wrote this, if Jesus was a normal first century Galilean Jew, then we can arrive at an image of Jesus as like an average man in that time and area. He was probably around five foot five inches tall. Somewhat slim, reasonably muscular, olive brown skin, Dark brown to black hair and brown eyes. He was likely bearded, but not heavily or with a long beard. With shortish hair, probably not well kept, and aged about 30 at the start of his mission. His precise features will, however, remain unknown. And some researchers who have looked at the that kind of the average facial structure of people in that area in the Middle East at that time and at that age have put together what they think that Jesus would look like. And it uh, should pop up there. That's what they think Jesus would probably look like. I tell you, that's, that's the sort of guy that gets pulled aside at the airports in the United States. There's actually nothing in the Bible that tells us what Jesus looked like. and Maybe that's intentional because maybe that's so that it doesn't matter where you come from, what culture you're from, what you look like, you can feel like Jesus is, is, is your friend, is your brother, maybe. But people remake Jesus. They, they've got these pictures. They kind of create them in their own ideas. And, and, uh, and there's, there's actually a, a lot of ignorance about, about Jesus, a growing ignorance. People may have heard about him, but they don't really know much about him. And that's why you've got books like uh, the Da Vinci Code, you've heard about the Da Vinci Code. It sells millions and millions and millions of copies claiming that it's a historical fact that Jesus married Mary Magdalene and they had children together. And people just believe it. They believe it. They believe it's true and it's definitely not true. It's not true. You can find websites saying that Jesus was an alien sent to us to teach us how to live. So is it possible to discover simply Jesus, the real Jesus? And we're going to do our best to unpack this a little bit over the next uh, little while, and starting in this series today. And if you're here for the first time, I'm so glad you're here. It's going to be uh, fun going on the journey with you, and we'd hope that you would be part of the journey with us, and you're very, very... Welcome to be here. If you're just here exploring faith, you're exploring Christianity, exploring what it is to know God, then look, you're very, very welcome here. It's so cool that you're here, and we'll, we'll go on this journey together. We hope it's helpful for you. Let's, let's pray, shall as we, uh, we'll just push pause and just invite the presence of God here again. So God, we pray to you. As a father, but we also, God, you are Jesus. Jesus, you are God. And Holy Spirit, you are God. It's this great mystery of the, the Holy Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, as, as one who was fully God and yet fully human, I pray that you would help us to, to know you more. I thank you that many millions and millions and millions of people actually know you. We know you. But help us to know you more, to grow in knowing more about you, and help us to increase in our love for you and our commitment to follow you. Holy Spirit, we pray for your power to be at work so that these words that are spoken would, uh, the ones that we're meant to hear, would land in our hidden heart and lead us on into the fullness of life that you have for us. Amen. In the USA, they've done a study recently and they discovered that there's actually 92% of people in the USA believe that Jesus existed. And... Um, but in England and in Europe, it's it's about it's about 60%. So there's a lot more that don't believe that he exists, and uh, and there's a lot of authors that uh, seem to be relatively popular. They are so-called the new the new atheists, people like Richard Dawkins. You may have uh, heard of him, and uh, and they're going around the messages that everything about Christianity is rubbish. Jesus didn't even exist. It's just it's just all a big story to, uh, that's been made up and it's just a big enormous fraud. So that's a good question, is it? Did Jesus exist? I'm just going to talk today, it's just going to be a little bit about the Jesus the historical Jesus, Jesus of history. And as we go through the series, we're going to look at Jesus the teacher, we're going to look at Jesus the healer, Jesus the revolutionary. Jesus the King and a few other bits and pieces as we go but today it's about the Jesus of history did Jesus exist? It's a good question how do we know? Well, let's, we're just going to look into it a little bit a little bit of a history lesson today um, but we've got our Bible and uh, most of us this is our Bible these days and we can read about Jesus there and it seems that he existed but what about from outside the Bible, does anything point to him and there? Well, Jesus referred to in a lot of historical documents. I'm going to throw out some names if you're into reading things from people that wrote things in the first century. Uh, Roman historians like Tacitus and Pliny, Jewish sources like Josephus and Rabbi Eliezer uh, wrote in the first century, we've got those, um, those documents. And so from all of these sources apart from the Bible... This has is, this is, comes from other places apart from the Bible. Here's what we can find out. So this is not looking from the Bible. This is from a, apart from the Bible. We know that he existed as a man. And he was called Christos in Greek, which is a translation of the Hebrew meaning Messiah. He was Mary's son. He had a brother named James. He did miracles. And some ancient sources consider him to be a magician or a sorcerer. He won over both Jews and Greeks as followers. The Jewish leaders of the day expressed unfavorable opinions about him. Pontius Pilate rendered the decision that he should be executed. His execution was by crucifixion. And he was exited, executed by Pontius Pilate's governorship over Judea. That's all from outside of the Bible. Sounds a lot like the list you'd make about Jesus that you'd get from the Bible. That's all from outside the Bible. So, and if you're talking to someone that uh, is buying into these new atheists that are saying that it's just a big old fraud, and you're thinking like, "Well, what do I, you know, what do I say to that?" Here's something that you can say to that. You can say that the the mood and the culture of that uh, of that time was that. The both the Jewish people and, in particular, the Roman people that were running the country, uh, you know, running basically the whole world back uh, back then, they were absolutely against anyone, anything that would be pushing back against their authority and the Roman rule, and also the, the Jewish uh, faith. They would be, they were very antagonistic towards that. And um, and were trying to eliminate you read if you're a historian you read of uprising after uprising especially around uh, people with spiritual motivation and uh, crushed you know so that, that was very antagonistic towards towards that And so if if people were at that time were wanting to discredit this, this new religion called Christianity, they would have done it by saying Jesus never existed. They would have said he didn't exist. It's just a myth, forget about it, it's just, it's just a myth. But none of the writings around that time and all through you know, the century after century after century, none of them were saying that he didn't exist. in those earlier earlier years that was close to when Jesus was here, none of them said that he didn't exist. They criticized him, but none of them denied that he existed. He was was a real man who walked on this planet. That's hard to argue against. I think it's one of the best arguments that you can make for Jesus actually existing. So what about this Jesus in the Bible? looked at some of these things from outside the Bible. What about Jesus in the Bible? Let's look at Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, okay? The Gospel of Luke, right at the start. So let's, let's read this and we'll talk a little bit about Luke. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So who was this Luke who who wrote this? Well, Luke was a companion of the Apostle Paul, and he wasn't... uh, Around when Jesus was around. But he like I say he was a companion of Apostle Paul, accompanied him on a one of his missionary journeys. But he's writing this account and adding to other he says he's adding to other accounts, and probably including the Gospel of Mark, which was they say was the first gospel that was, was written. But he says he's not an eyewitness, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but he says that he carefully investigated all of the facts, all of the events and compiled an account. And we the scholars will say he must have spent a lot of time with Mary, the mother of Jesus, because there's accounts in the Gospel of Luke that talk about things that Mary experienced that he that only she experienced and so she's the only one that could tell those stories. So that's um, spent a lot of time with Mary. We and it was probably we can work out by other parts uh, the story of in the book of Acts. Luke also wrote the book Book of Acts. It's kind of like Luke Acts is like one big story. Luke is the bit of Jesus's life, and he just sort of carries on into like what happened after Jesus's death and resurrection. And so we can see that Luke was in Jerusalem about A.D. 56 to 59, okay? And in that time, he would have just gone around and just asking as many people as he could, like, what what happened? What happened? Talked to eyewitnesses, compiled them in an orderly way, and then he wrote wrote the book of Luke, and that's called Luke, and then the book of Acts, like one big story. And how did he investigate these things? Well, he's a bunch of interviews, wrote it all down. And how do we know? Well, how do we know that Luke was a good historian? Like you might think, well, yeah, he might have written it all down, but is he any good at history? Well, here's an interesting story. There's a guy in the early 20th century called Sir William Ramsey, a world-renowned archaeologist, and he was a skeptic about uh, Christianity. And in particular, he's reading in Luke, and he's going like, I think this is just a whole lot of fiction. It's not that true. And so he, um, he thought, I'm going and I'm going to prove it. We don't want the whole world believing stuff. That's just not true. So he, as an archaeologist, went out to Asia Minor, which, as we found out from our last series, is uh, modern-day Turkey. And he just toured around, just trying to really discover facts that would say that the Gospel of Luke is just um, a load of bumpkin. And uh, this guy's the real deal. Like, this guy ended up becoming the... This is the Regis Professor of Humanity at the University of Aberdeen in Scotland. So. And, and here's what happened. He went out there as a skeptic. He came back a believer. He, in his archaeological skill, discovered some stones in some of these ancient places that had inscriptions on them that lined up with the uh, so, and proved that uh, the people were exactly doing the things that they that Luke said they were doing at the time that they were doing, the political people, uh, the political language of the time was the same as what Luke was using. He even went on a, a boat out into the Mediterranean to follow the, the, uh, the voyages that we see in the book of Acts, and he even discovered that the wind in the Mediterranean blows exactly how... Uh, Luke describes it in in the book of Acts. And he came back a believer. It was just very, very cool. So Ramsey, he concluded that Luke was just this incredibly reliable historian. So we can trust him. and Trust his accounts. And Luke was also talking about how he based his accounts on eyewitnesses. On eyewitnesses. People who were there. They saw Jesus say and do things. Matthew was a witness, and he wrote the gospel uh, that is called Matthew, attributed to him. John was a witness. He also did the gospel. And the gospel is just an account of the life of Jesus. Gospel meaning good news. And I can only make some small comments about this just for the sake of time. But I'll give you, if this is something that you're interested in, if you're like, I want to find out more about this whole thing. There's a couple of like magnificent books on this that just you know you read them and you go like, why would anyone ever doubt that this stuff happened? And one's a book called Jesus and the Eyewitnesses by a guy called Richard Bauckham. This is the big book. This is the heavyweight version. Okay, so if you like you love study and you really want to get into this, this is the big one. This is the one once you've read it that you use it for a stand for your monitor on your desk. This is the big one. Okay, and there's another one with a little less pages. You can get through a little bit quicker. It's called Is the New Testament History by Paul Barnett. And the punchline of both of these is that we can believe what the Bible says about Jesus because of these eyewitness accounts. And we see many of them are, are named in Luke's letter. They're named. So what happens then is that people that read that, the letter... They can go and actually talk to these people, find these people, and go like, "Hey, you were mentioned in the letter. Like, did that really happen?" And again, for the sake of time, I won't go into it. But there's a number of names. There's one name in particular that is very unique in that time in that era, and it's uh, and it's mentioned there. But uh, and because people would have known this guy, they could go and talk to them. Did you see the risen Jesus? And I'd say, yes. These things really happened. When they were looking to find another apostle to replace Judas, who committed suicide, one of the criteria was that they were looking for someone that was an eyewitness, that had been with Jesus, that had seen the things that he'd done, and they had seen the risen Jesus. They had seen Jesus alive after the crucifixion. The eyewitnesses. So... We could do class after class just teaching about the the accuracy of and the history and we and you could go away going like, Wow, it's that's amazing. It, you know, it really is uh, historically accurate this stuff. But there's this one big question that I think it's so important that we all ask is uh, it's like, so what? <laughs> so what? Yeah, you know, Most most events in history don't really affect us that much, do they? I could talk to you about a guy, uh, Richard Seddon, who was the longest-serving prime minister in New Zealand. And I could take you to the place that he was born in, in England, and I could take you to the gold mine that he worked on on the west coast of New Zealand when he came out. I could uh, I could take you to a little place called Coomera in the South Island. Who was, he was the first mayor of Coomera shouldn't really mention food at this time of the day. So, but uh, um, but even if I took you to all those places, you'd go, well, that's nice. But so what? Why are you telling me about Richard Well, there are a lot of things in history that you believe happened, but they just have no impact on your life. But Jesus is different. Jesus is different. Jesus died and came back to life. Jesus is alive now in a different form, but he is alive now and impacting people's lives. He's not just a person in history. He's a person that is today changing lives. We heard one story from Eva, and and, uh, we were just down this week, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, with the uh, Vineyard Pastors, uh, they do this thing once a year where they invite a very smart theologian over to just to continue to sow into the the pastors and pastoral staff to upskill around things of theology. And they brought this guy up called uh, Brad Jersak, And he's actually speaking up at uh, St. Stephen's Anglican Church. I think it's in your news sheet. And there's some flyers on the info table. And I'd strongly encourage you to get along and hear the score Here's the thing. He's one of the smartest guys i've ever met when it comes to his area of expertise in terms of his learning and his study it's around christology which is the theology of christ and the thing that most impacted me about this guy was just how much he loved jesus not how much he knew about jesus was how much he loved jesus and he'd just, tell, he'd just tell these stories of his own encounters with Jesus. And, uh, and he would just, you know, you'd see the softness in his face, and he'd just go, you know, Jesus is just so kind. He's just so kind. And he'll tell a story about how that outworked in his life and, and how he's met Jesus in these different situations. And, and uh, you know, you can go and you can learn a lot of stuff that and you fill your head with a lot of stuff. But this is a real person. This is, this is God. This is God who became fully human so that we could know God. We, you know, we read in Colossians at the start when we started that series, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He came so we could know God. And because of that, there's another witness. We heard about these eyewitnesses in the Bible, but there's another witness. And it's this witness of changed lives. Your life, my life. And I really would encourage you to come along next week. We've got um, Brad's wife, Eden, who's going to be speaking here. And uh, if you feel like you want to know Jesus more, I'd really encourage you to come along and, and be inspired by her. It'd be great. So we may, not have, we may not have been walking with Jesus when he was walking on this earth, but he is alive today. And so we've got these witnesses from history. We've got the witnesses from outside of the Bible, as well as witnesses we read inside the Bible. We've got witnesses of, of people today changed lives. And I'll tell you, it's awesome. I'm pretty excited about going through this series with you all and just us growing more and more in, our, in knowing Jesus, but not just knowing about him, but actually knowing him.